1: Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast.
0: That were the words, we don't want to finish in the Champions League.
1: But every time it was going wrong, we just kept turning around and blaming the coaches. So he literally <laughs> gets what he wants and whatever he says goes. Um, and, we, and we ended up getting relegated that year, which I think was down to you know what was in that dressing room at the time.
2: Well, it was really Sky that put an end to that. They may not have handled it very
1: well. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. This podcast has been set up by Techno Wood School and our aim is to teach our students new skills through podcasting. Each week we chat to famous sportsmen and women from around the world. We delve deep into their sporting careers, their highs and lows and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. All of our students' hard work and dedication has paid off as we've recently won a Global Sports Podcast Award for the Best Equality in Social Sports Podcast. If that's enough for me, I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, which are our students who host the podcast, and I will let them introduce today's guest. Thank you.
2: Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a WWE Hall of Fame legend. Welcome to the podcast, the hardcore legend, Mick Thurley.
3: Why, thank you very much. I know we've been uh, working on this for a little while. We haven't yep. happened here. And uh, uh, I'm really happy to hear be, to be with you. <laughs> thank you.
0: So do you want to dive right in?
3: Go for it, Let's do it.
0: Okay. The first question is, you have mentioned that one of your greatest matches of all time was with Sean Michael at the, at the In Your House Mind Games pay-per-view. What was your memories of that match and what was it like to work with Sean?
3: well, Working with Sean was like a dream. I don't mean like a dream come true. It was like being in a dream because okay. <laughs> it, was so, it was so amazing. He was so fluid and so smooth. We had worked together on a handful or maybe a dozen tag team matches, but we had never had a singles match. And it was... Um, it was a matter of everything that I envisioned coming to fruition, but coming to fruition in a better way than I could have imagined. So it was, uh it was probably the second, my second favorite match I've ever had. And it was, it was really creative and uh, just a great uh, match with one of the greatest wrestlers of all time.
1: So Mick, I, I, grew up in the 90s so watching wrestling in the 90s was was amazing for me and but I remember I was scarred for life I think in one of your matches um October 20th 1996 Indianapolis you and the Undertaker had the first ever buried alive match I remember I was six seven I genuinely thought you would kill the Undertaker (laughs) how can you take us back to that match and what was that like for you
3: Oh, yeah. I'll well, talk about an ominous, um, stipulation. Uh, you have to bury your opponent alive. So, uh, there'd never been a match like that. This is the first ever buried alive match. Uh, there was a reason why in every other subsequent buried alive match, which there was like four, uh, there was a backhoe that they used to uh, fill in the, uh, the, uh, the gravesite in a hurry, but we didn't have that. So after struggling, you know, valiantly, I think it was, think it was a 17 minute match at a pretty good pace. Uh, it was then our uh, job to try to fill in a hole that would usually require three or four men an hour to do. And we're trying to do it <laughs> five minutes without equipment. Uh, so that was the most difficult part of the match. But it it was fun. I I understand there were some small children who thought they were seeing a human being uh, perishing and leaving this world. But at the end, if you remember, his hand did come up out of the grave. It did. Uh, And and Jim Ross said, he's alive. Mm -hmm. He's alive. Uh, Like the classic, I think, 1937 Frankenstein. (laughs) uh, He's alive. He's alive. Um, So we thought we gave people some hope. But if you were live, the crazy thing was at that time, if you were live at the venue at that time, we had what was known as in your house pay-per-views, which are only two hours. And I think they were ten dollars cheaper. And in order to try to fill the uh, the arenas, you have something called um, non-televised dark matches, which are advertised matches that do not air on the pay-per-view. So, if you were there live, it went from "He's alive, he's alive" to the Undertaker pulling his hand down, and then you heard music, and the new rockers came out (laughs) to the ring to the Bushwhackers. So, if I was a six-year-old at the arena, my big question would be like, "Why aren't they trying to get him out of there?" Um, But (laughs) the truth is, uh, they had built WWE had built their own subterranean world underneath, inside that mound of earth. And it was pretty fascinating. I don't want to give away all the secrets, but let's just say the Undertaker was not actually buried alive.
0: Yeah. And also, Adam, that's what you get for watching something when you're something like that when you're six years old, six or seven years old.
2: <laughs> we recently spoke to Kurt Angle on the podcast and we got in touch with him yesterday and asked if he could give us a question to ask you. Kurt said to ask you about when you wanted to team up with Kurt Angle. Kurt was going to be your understudy. At least that is what he wanted.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I was, uh, I think at that time I was a bad guy or a heel, or maybe I was planning on becoming a bad guy. And I saw so much potential in Kurt Angle, not just because he was Olympic champion, but I saw a little bit of that, that humor, you know, when he first came on the air with his three eyes, intensity integrity and intelligence i thought oh oh, he's on to something like he is looking down on the rest of our audience and the other superstars in the dressing room and i have to tell you i i had some pretty big plans for for me and kurt uh, but it was nothing compared to what kurt actually went on to do so he exceeded all expectations even my expectations were which were pretty high for him
0: your feud continues with The Undertaker and it built up to one of the greatest matches of all time. On June 28, 98 in Pittsburgh, you faced The Undertaker in a hell in the cell. Before we talk about that match, the match, I want to know what it was like to, in the lead up to the match. Did you have any idea it had the potential to be one of the greatest matches of all time?
3: No, no. I was just trying not. I was just trying in some way not to embarrass myself, given that the only other cell match uh, in history had been uh, Shawn Michaels, the Undertaker, which was such an outstanding match. And I was just trying to think of ways to work around my own physical weaknesses so that we would not. Uh, A, you know, embarrass ourselves compared to Sean's match, and B, um, embarrass the legacy that the Undertaker and I had established with each other. Yeah. And now we're coming up on the twenty-fifth anniversary of that uh of that huge event. <laughs> incident. Pretty special, right? <laughs> wow. I pretty much call it an incident for you, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty-five years later, look at my smile. <laughs> <laughs> Those bottom teeth are the ones that were knocked out that night.
0: Mm -hmm. I believe I I saw one in your nose.
3: Yeah, one of them was in my nose. That's correct. Correct. Whose idea
2: was it to firstly go on top of the cell and whose idea was it for you to be thrown off the cell?
3: Well, I don't want to give all our secrets away. uh, But seeing as I already wrote about it in a book, I guess we could say that it took some talking to for The Undertaker to get on the same page with me. Because he liked me and did not want to see me among the, you know, deceased. So that was, we're dealing with a high amount of danger. I had to do my best job of lying to the undertaker. And I told him I was perfectly comfortable uh, going up there. And I talked him into throwing me off as well.
0: But he didn't have vertigo. (laughs) (laughs) I
3: did, actually, I did. Uh, Oh. yeah. I, I get really scared of big heights, so I was conquering that fear, or at least battling that fear. But I was really scared when I was up there, for sure.
1: Because when you were on top of the cell, it was it was given away when you were just walking on top of it, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it was. It was it was held together by twist ties, which was not the case when uh, Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker were up there. So but we do remember the sound you could hear him going.
0: <laughs> That's when he signed off. I'm going to go go get out the way. <laughs>
3: yeah, we're really lucky um when we get, when I got back up there and the Undertaker choke slamming we're lucky that he was on a different panel than I was because if he had choke slammed me we and he was on that panel we both would have gone through and uh, that second fall could have ended up much worse than it was and it was bad yes. as it was.
0: Yes, I Got the feeling that Undertaker did that on purpose to prevent hurting both of you any more than you are already.
3: Oh no, I only heard him point that out about five years ago on the 20th anniversary. If
2: you haven't already, then be sure to download our new app, Gold, the home of challenges. Post and take on challenges, call out your friends, and top leaderboards. Challenges can be about absolutely anything, so be as creative as you like. Be sure to follow our social media, too, for awesome giveaways. That's gold.
0: You had just been thrown off the cell, and for some crazy reason, you decided to go back up and climb on top of the cell again. Why?
3: Oh, I don't know. You get these crazy (laughs) ideas when you believe in your uh, character, the match, the feud, uh, and you really have, you know, what comes up to like a warped idea of your own humanity uh i just thought that would be inc- I, I i did not know if i'd be able to make it back up but i did tell mr mcmahon and the undertaker that if i could i would and as soon as the fans saw that i was heading back up the cell and as soon as they saw undertaker following me oh that place came alive <laughs> that uh city of pittsburgh was uh you know they were alive <laughs>
2: Um, on the take it then chokeslam uh, you through the cell, what was that meant to happen? And talk to us about that.
3: Well, I'll tell you what was not meant to happen was the cell was not supposed to give way.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we've got um, that feeling.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so that was a surprise. So, uh, you know, I woke up about 42 seconds later um, and I realized my teeth had been uh, uh, knocked out. And, Again? uh yeah, again? Oh, no, this was the first time. They did not get knocked oh. out first time over off the cell. They were knocked out the second time. Uh, And there was a pair of shoes in the ring. I had no idea what had taken place in those 42 seconds. Why uh, were the
0: shoes in the cell?
3: <laughs> well, uh, a good friend of mine, Terry Funk, and that's Funk, F-U-N-K, so I'm not cursing on <laughs> your show. He had tried to buy some time for me. Um, and in buying time, he was choke slammed by the Undertaker, and in the process of being choke slammed, his shoes came off his feet. So <laughs> when I came to forty two seconds later. The first thing I could think of is, oh, where would those shoes come from? Because it was all a mystery to me. Do you
1: look back on that match, Mick, with any regret, or of maybe you shouldn't have done some of the things you did? Looking at your, the injuries you had, or do you look back and and very fondly on that match.
3: Well, I do look back very fondly on it. It's funny because I've been uh, doing some reading on a 70s teen idol, uh, David Cassidy, and he went through a similar process where in the aftermath of of his show, so I say in the aftermath of my match, you kind of resent that it's the only thing people remember you for. And then over time, you come around to realizing how fortunate you are to be remembered for anything let alone an event that's been passed down, you know, literally uh, to the next generation. So this is a a match that has gotten, that become bigger than just wrestling. You know, you you go to the World Cup and if the the score is three to nothing early on, they have somebody come in uh, with uh, uh, Jim Ross's voice, go, somebody stop the darn match, you know, enough is enough. So it's become an iconic part, not just of wrestling, but of popular culture. And um, man, I never—I don't know if I, you know, I, the Rock is a part of pop culture, but this was kind of like my way in with this wild and crazy match that, uh, um, you know, where everything that could go wrong did go wrong, but somehow the Undertaker and I limped our way into the pages of wrestling history.
1: Later,
2: LA. Another match of yours that sticks in mind is the match with you and the Rock having. The I quit match at the Royal Rumble in 1999. The Rock has yeah. said in recent interviews that he went too far in that match and regrets what happened. Can you talk to us about that match and your relationship with The Rock at the time? And do you think he went too far? <laughs> so he has
3: said he went too far?
1: I think he, he yeah. said in a recent interview that the, he went too far with the chair shots. He yeah, have we, many. Get,
3: we got, we got <laughs> carried away. We got caught up in the moment. Uh, things didn't work out logistically like we thought they might. And, uh, so it was, it was excessive. So, uh, I was just talking on my podcast, uh, talking about, uh, the uh, 1998 Royal, uh, 1999 Royal Rumble match with the rock, which was, I quit, uh, opposed to, or juxtaposing or comparing it to. Uh, the match I had a year later with Triple H at the Royal Rumble. And you'll have people who will watch the Royal Rumble match with Triple H dozens of times. Whereas when it comes to the match with The Rock, it's one of the things you watch it once and you say, I think I've had enough of that match because it was excessive and the excessiveness took away from your the ability to enjoy it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it caused a few hard feelings, but uh, trust me, those hard feelings have gone away. Nothing but sunshine uh, in the way I look at the rock these days. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, a few, a few years later, you obviously have the famous rock and sock connection.
3: We yeah, did. I think it was within a year. Within a year, because we had that match January of uh, uh ninety nine, or was it January ninety nine? And yeah, uh,
1: ninety nine, yeah, January.
3: And we, yeah, uh, we were teaming up. I think five, five months later. So. uh, yeah, we made we had we had quite a team. We had a lot of fun teaming up together.
0: You played three different characters: Mankind, Cactus Jack, and Dude Love. Which one is your fate? Was your favorite? And is it true Cactus Jack was named after your dad?
3: Uh, hold on a second. I just have to go somewhere for one minute. I'll be right back. I'm going to fill in Nick in the meantime. <laughs> 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 Say, the Mankind was my favorite face of Foley. And <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm back. Did I miss anything? No. Okay. Good. good. Uh, what was the question again?
0: Um, is it true? Cactus Jack was named after your dad. He
3: was. Yeah, he sure was. Uh, <coughs> we were watching, a, a a movie It was, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie role outside of a documentary called pumping iron. And, um, uh, He was um, he was uh, a supporting character. The main character was Kirk Douglas as an aging outlaw named Cactus Jack Slade. So now I think the movie is no longer called The Villain. I think it's actually called Cactus Jack. And uh, I had this idea in my head of a character I wanted to be, which was Dude Love. But I realized I would need some seasoning and some experience before I could be this vaunted character from my mind. And I thought, I, hey, Cactus Jack, that's kind of a plain sounding name and a way for me to pay tribute to my dad while I learn. And then the Cactus Jack character stuck around for 12 years.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: that's
3: great.
0: You also um, had a thing for carrying around bats with, what was it again? Barbwire. Yes. <laughs> And trash yes. cans.
3: I did. Yeah, I did. Hey, I, you know, when I was, uh, I did a uh, 15 tours of Japan and I was working for a smaller promotion and uh, they, they had one of those barbed wire bats and that was considered just part of a match. Uh, so I uh, I borrowed it and I popularized it and introduced it <laughs> to the United States. So whenever I'm asked about the, the gentleman on uh, Walking Dead. And whether I'm upset by it, I'm like, man, I'd like to I'd like to be upset, but I didn't actually invent it. Like, uh, And besides the actor, I can't remember his name, even though I should. Uh, he sent me a birthday tweet two years ago and he said, uh, you know, happy birthday. One of the great ones. I may have borrowed a move or two from you. So <laughs> most people acknowledge, you know, the uh, influence that I think that's all that counts.
2: Can you switch between characters now? Can we ask
3: Mankind a question, please? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can find them. Hold on. <laughs> mankind, are you there? I don't want to talk to these people. I don't think they like me. Uh, of course on. we do. Don't be silly. Okay, I have time for one question. What is it?
0: Okay. How does Mankind look back on his career? What kind of person are you?
3: Well, Mankind looks back on his career and he thinks that Mick Foley took credit for the things that I did. (laughs) He won no WWE titles. I won three. I defeated Dwayne The Rock Johnson and it was a feat so nice. I did it twice. (laughs) Can Um, I go now? Of course, go on. Oh, there you go. Always nice to hear from mankind, right? Yeah. That's true.
2: Back to Mick Foley now. (laughs) And could we ask, no, can we play a quick game with you, please? Um, our sponsors, goal set us a ch- uh, challenge each week with our guests. And this week, the challenge is to name a WWE wrestler, starting with each le- letter of the alphabet. So the wrestlers' first names need to start with the letter A, then another wrestler's name, start with B, then C, and so on. Do you reckon you could do that in 45
3: seconds? In 45 seconds? man. Yes. <laughs> I- I'm having Brilliant. trouble finding an a uh okay let's give it a try andre the giant bob bradley c cactus <laughs> jack uh, who cactus jack cactus jack d i can't believe i'm failing i'm crumbling under the pressure d uh daddy cool <laughs> that's big daddy cool e um I think I'm going to fail this. I'm not going to do it in 45 seconds. (laughs) Edward. Uh, I used to be so good at this game with my kids. Uh, Kids, help me out here. (laughs) (laughs) I need a wrestler's first name starts with E. Ellis Edwards was the stunt coordinator in WWE. I'm giving it. (laughs) F, Frank the Clown. Uh, He appeared in the background of several scenes in WWE. G, Gorgeous George uh, I'm going to go with uh, Gorgeous George um F, uh E-O-E-O-G-H-E-H-H. Hulk Hogan oh, I yeah. uh incredible Hulk Hogan <laughs> which is, he was billed as for a while J uh Jack <laughs> <laughs> <K>. <laughs> <laughs> jumping uh jumping Baldy yeah. J K uh it's gotta be a killer in there somewhere. Not Krampus, there was no Krampus K. Uh Kurt K. Angle. K. Who yeah, Kurt thing. Angle. Kurt Angle. H I G K L. Uh The List of Jericho. Uh <laughs> I, M Mick Foley. N. Nick Failey, which I was billed as in my early, one of my early days by mistake. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. Um,
1: um, Did I ever I say
3: giant spelled with an O? No, it doesn't <laughs> count. But. Oh. Oscar. Uh, oh. Uh, um, Pat, Owen Hart. I'm oh. oh, geez. Oh. 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 P. Pat Patterson. Q. Oh, oh wow. Queen. Queen uh, which is uh Queen Sherry. Q R. Uh, R- Rapid Roy the Stock Car Boy. That was a Jim Croce's song. S. Sam. Seth Rogan? <laughs> Seth Rogan? Was he on WWE? Yeah, I think he's okay. T. Uh Triple H. Tr- Jeez, you're much better than this. You are a <laughs> T. Undertaker. V. Uh, Viscera. <laughs> B- w W. Uh, the wa- Wanderer, Jerry McIntyre. Never in WWEs on independent shows. It's in my book, so I'm going to count it. <laughs> X. I don't know who we had an X, have we? Oh, uh, Mom? X-Men.
0: Any wrestlers with an X?
3: Creed. Uh, Xavier. Huh? Uh, Xavier Woods. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Xavier Wood NX-Buck, and x Xbox. Xbox
0: Z- appears to exist, yes. <laughs> My mom Z- thinks so.
3: Zabisco. I'm going with last name Zabisco. So I did okay. Right? Well done. Sorry yeah. to put you on the spot there, Mick. Hey, I've got to catch a plane. I am going yes. to the Royal Rumble, and I will talk to you guys at another time. Mick, one, one word Thanks answer.
1: Again. One word answer. Who's going to win the Rumble?
3: I am rooting for... Becky Lynch or uh, Rhea Ripley for the women. And I'm rooting for Cody Rhodes or possibly a surprise entrant uh, that I don't want to name because I don't know if he's going to be there or not. I don't want to give people's hopes up. Cody Rhodes or a surprise entrant. And for the women, Becky or Rhea Ripley.
1: Is, is Mick Foley win the surprise yeah.
3: entrance? Ah, no, Mick Foley. <laughs> I wouldn't be the last on my jog down to the ramp. You know, I'm not in very good shape right now. But I'm working on it. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank I you know so much, Meg. Kind of again, man. I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much.
1: You. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. Have a nice day. Tom and Alyssa, Mick's just gone. How did you find that? How, Alyssa, I'm going to start with you. How was that?
0: It was great. My mom was smiling at me the whole way through. <laughs> I know I did good.
1: Well done. What was your favorite story, Alyssa? What was your favourite story?
0: My favourite story, um, probably the one with the hell in the cell.
1: Yeah, it was an incredible match. Really, really, really good match. Tom, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I probably,
2: I'm not getting it confused with it. it was hell in the cell the the incident with Undertaker, right? Yeah, yeah, because that, that that one was my favourite. Because like Undertaker's so infamous and like I think I think this, was like the moment shocked everyone, and it was just like, yeah, I was just really glad for that to be mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm. So. I'm on. I'm for one surprised mankind actually showed up twice.
2: Yeah, that was incredible. I'm so glad that actually
1: happened.
0: I was starting to wonder if he could hear us.
1: I know, and I think as well, <laughs> if you're listening to this, then um, head over to our social media because um, yeah, mankind made an appearance. I know you heard his voice, but we actually saw him on the screen, didn't we? So head over to our yeah. social media on our YouTube channel to to watch mankind guys thank you so much and if you are listening and it was sounded a bit different today we're we're all in our respective homes because we recorded yes. it in the evening due to the time yeah. difference of mick being in america um sorry it was a bit of a shorter podcast as mick said he had to go to um
3: the yes, royal rumble, which is
1: which is tomorrow so he's flying over to um i don't know where the royal rumble is this year mm-hmm. texas, texas texas so he's flying texas. To, texas to um Watch the rumble. So, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone, so much for watching. Again,
2: make sure to follow us on our socials, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And uh, make sure to also subscribe to the TWS Sports Podcast YouTube channel if you haven't already. And also make sure to listen to us on Spotify, uh, the podcast app, uh, Apple Music, and anything else that has <laughs> mm-hmm. podcasts. Take and care, everyone. And Bye. we'll see you again next time. Bye.
0: Oh, one more thing, though. Any idea, if you if any of you have any ideas who this miss this surprise guest on Royal Rumble will be, should it, let us know.
1: I'm going for the rock. Yeah, really?
2: that that will be amazing because he, he still reappears. I <laughs> am I'm, I'm a bad one on this one.
1: Right.
0: Don't don't jinx it, boys.
1: <laughs> right, Alyssa, Tom, you're amazing as always. Well done. And thank you so much. And thank you Jeremy. have a nice day.
2: Bye. You too, Adam. Bye.
3: The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.
1: Sports Social Podcast
2: Network.